Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We're on to a new sermon series. We finished the book of Revelation a few weeks ago and the guys just did some various talks while I was away. But we're going to start a new series today called The Gospel Ecosystem and then I'll make more sense as we begin to go through that. But I want to start with the same question that Eli started with. Why we come to church today? Why have you come to church today? Maybe your parents made you come if you're a young person, or maybe your spouse encourage you to come. Why do we gather here every Sunday? Why does the team get organised super early on Sunday mornings, get here about 8am providing there's no kangaroos in the road or other things happening, and set up for church and, and practice our music? Is this something we just do out of a habit? Is this sort of ingrained into our lives that Sunday morning we get up and we come? Have we come today because we just want to connect with a few friends? That's really the purpose we've come. Why have we come to church today? Why does Exchange Church gear up with men's and women's and youth and children's ministries as well? Why do we do those things? Is there a purpose for doing all that? Why have we come? Why have we gathered? There is a purpose for why we gather here on Sundays. And it's the same purpose for all those ministries we actually have here at Exchange Church and support. What are we doing? We're building a gospel ecosystem. We're creating a gospel ecosystem where disciples of Jesus can grow and flourish in the life that Jesus calls us to. It's all part of an ecosystem. If you've got your Bibles, so we're going to follow on from where Esther was just reading. Just going to read a couple of verses, Romans uh, 1, 16 and 17. Following on, verses 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that we can gather together here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that this is not just something we do purely out of habit, although there is habit involved, but we come today to know you. We come today to grow in you. We come today to encourage each other and build each other up. We come today to be part of this ecosystem, Lord, as it were, a place where we grow in the gospel. So I pray now, Holy Spirit, as we just begin to think about that and over the next few weeks, just open up our hearts and minds now to the truth of your word and allow us to see what you've given to us to grow and to thrive in the gospel. Now we ask it now in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we think about this ecosystem today, we want to think about, well, the entry initially, how do I get into this gospel ecosystem? Firstly, though, you might be asking, what is an ecosystem? Maybe some of you could have done biology many, many years ago at school, maybe not so long ago for some of you. And you think, oh, I know what an ecosystem is. Well, here's what National Geographic says about the ecosystem. An ecosystem is a geographic area where plants, animals and other organisms, as well as weather and landscape, work together, this is really important, the next bit, to form a bubble of life. 
Any biology students? Have I got that right? Yeah, good. Yep, good. Gee, Dave, you've mustered on a while back to... Oh, okay. Yep, Andy. Oh, Christian, sorry. It's a, it's a combination of names there. Thanks, thanks, Christian. It's an environment where a whole range of factors work together in harmony to foster growth and life. Working together. National Geographic also says this about uh, ecosystems. Every factor in an ecosystem depends on every other factor, either directly or indirectly. A change in the temperature of an ecosystem will often affect what plants will grow there, for instance. So, in other words, the ecosystem here, there's an interrelated connection with everything within an ecosystem. Everything's working together in harmony, connected together. And each element is somewhat dependent on each other to maintain this growth and life in what we call the bubble of life. There's an interrelated connection with all these things here. Now, some of you might be aware of the Great Barrier Reef. It's an ecosystem, as an example. Uh, There's a whole range of elements that work together to produce life, the bubble of life in the ocean in the Great Barrier Reef. Air temperature, sea temperature, uh, coral formations, weather patterns, fish life, sunlight and quality of water. All those things work together in the Great Barrier Reef to create this ecosystem in the Barrier Reef. Now, one of those elements there is the ocean temperature. It's really important there as far as the ecosystem is uh, concerned in the Great Barrier Reef. If the sea temperature or ocean temperature increases or decreases by a few degrees sort of up or down, it will have an effect on the ecosystem there and in the, in the way that life and growth will be diminished. Just those little variations. Or if Tom Briggs goes up with his fishing boat and fishes all the fish out of there, well, that'll have an effect on the Great Barrier Reef as well. All these things have an effect because they're all connected and interrelated together as an ecosystem. We believe that God grows us, disciples of Jesus, in an ecosystem as well. Not so much the Great Barrier Reef, but in an ecosystem. Now, while the world ecosystem isn't in the Bible, so if you're going to start looking for the Bible, I can't see it anywhere, Todd. What are you talking about? No, it's not in there as a word in itself. It's quite clear, though, that there are elements that God produces and has given us whereby we can grow in the bubble of life that he wants us to grow in. It's something that he's designed for us. And what I mean by this growing, if you think, okay, what what do you mean by growing in this bubble of life, Todd, as we think about that? I mean this. When we grow, we actually understand our purpose in life. We understand what God's created us for, why we've been created. We understand what is the purpose of life in this ecosystem. In knowing this purpose of living for Jesus, we actually find our deepest meaning and fulfilment in that ecosystem, despite experiencing the pain and the brokenness of this world. We still will experience that, but within this ecosystem, we will discover deepest meaning and fulfilment. We'll actually grow in this ecosystem in the love and the hope that God gives to us that happens within the ecosystem. We'll actually grow in loving and serving each other within the ecosystem that God provides for us. We'll grow in the ability within this ecosystem to say no to broken, sinful choices in a world full of temptation to go down broken paths. The ecosystem gives us the strength to say no to those things. We'll also grow 
in knowing and experiencing who God is within the ecosystem that God provides for us. This all happens within a gospel ecosystem where these various elements that are God-designed work together for our growth, to grow us, not to leave us as uh, children in Christ, but to grow us in Him, both through salvation and transformation, both ways. First step, though, is entering into this gospel ecosystem, this place of growth, this bubble of life where, he, uh, where God grows us. So we're going to look at that today, this entry into the gospel ecosystem so we build the right foundation to actually then talk about the ecosystem as a whole. Naturally, we are born outside of the kingdom of God or outside of a relationship with Him and outside of the ecosystem as a were. When we are born into this world, we are born as uh, people cut off from God because sinfulness that has passed on through generation to generation from person to person. The Bible actually calls this a place of darkness. In other words, we are in the dark with knowing who God truly is and who we truly are, what our issues are and what the brokenness of this world really is. We're really in the dark of understanding exactly what God has done. We just, we don't know, we don't see it. We're in the dark with that. And this place of darkness, not understanding who God is and who we are, has this dramatic effect on the whole course of our life. When we get it, oh, sorry, Dan, keeps dropping down on my chin. I'm just trying to fix it up. When we get it wrong with God, our whole worldview is broken. It's distorted. It's messed up. It's ultimately destructive for us in this darkness, being cut off from where God, uh, being cut off from Him. We need saving. We need to be rescued. We need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the entry point for the ecosystem that God has provided. Well, what does that look like? What is the gospel? Let's have a look at that now, just just briefly, in, in a nutshell, in its clearest and purest form as we think about what the gospel is. First of all, let's understand that God is our creator. That is like first base when it comes to thinking about the good news of Jesus Christ. God is our creator. In the beginning, it tells us, right at the start of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who am I? Where have I come from? I'm a creation of God. I'm made in the image of God. I'm a special, you are all special creations of God, made in his image, set apart from anything else that's been created in this world. Creation is an act of God in what he's done for us. We are created by God to worship him and enjoy him forever. God is a joyful, sovereign king who gives us joy by showing his glory to us. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve, the very first two humans, experienced. They experienced the joyful, sovereign relationship with, uh, with God. They enjoyed it in perfection. Who are we? We are created beings of God to live in a holy and joyful relationship with Him. That's what Adam and Eve were for a period of time in perfection, absolute perfection with God. Something happened. 
Adam and Eve made a really, really bad choice. A really bad choice. The first two humans, made in God's image, decided to reject God's good rule. God placed one tree in the garden and said, of that tree, do not eat. It was just a test of, would God be God in their lives? Would they submit to him as their God? Would they uh, come under his right kingship? Well, they didn't. They chose not to. They chose to reject God's rule and they, when they, and they went and ate of that tree. They went their own way. They basically said, we don't want God to be our king. We want to be our king. We want to rule our lives. Really bad choice. Really, 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 really bad choice. They stepped out of God's perfect order and they sinned against God. They disobeyed his one clear commandment. And this sin of disobedience before God brought about the suffering and the death that we all experience in our own lives and in this world. Everything comes now because of the sinfulness uh, from Adam and Eve passed on from generation to generation to generation right to this point in time. It's evidence of its destruction and its brokenness and its pain is all around us. Anything you see that causes pain and destruction is all a result of sinful choices. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has stepped out of God's perfect order. No one truly loves God as we should and no one truly worships God as we should. Not even one person has done that. We're in deep trouble. Really deep trouble. We need to be rescued. We need to be saved. Humanity has put themselves in this uh, no-win situation. We can't save ourselves. God in great mercy and grace and love and compassion sends his one and only son to rescue us, to save us. Jesus comes to this world and lives a perfect sinless life perfectly obeys God in every thought every word and every action what does God what does Jesus then do he offers that life up on the cross as a payment for the death for our sins Jesus becomes our substitute he takes our place upon the cross and he bears sins penalty in our place Jesus rises from the grave also to confirm that his death has paid for all of our sins. It was a full and complete and final payment and that we too will rise with him and live forever because of what Jesus has done for us. We live in a a relationship with Jesus right now for those who are calling Jesus their Lord but we live in it in part because we still live in a broken world with broken lives and broken bodies. But we know, as we saw over the last few weeks in Revelation, final restoration is coming. Full restoration is coming. There will be a day when we will not live in part. We will live in the fullness of perfect bodies, perfect lives, perfectly loving and perfectly worshipping God as our creator and our life sustainer. God's full restoration is coming. What is the gospel? It's creation. It's fall. It's rescue or redemption, and then it's restoration. That's a really simple outline of the gospel. God created us. We've rejected God and we fell. God rescues us, redeems us, and then God's going to restore us. 
That's the gospel in a nutshell. Now, there's a whole other mountain of stuff I can say around those various things that actually gives a lot more explanation for the faulty world that we live in, the faulty worldview that we have. But that is the gospel in its simplest, simplest form. Now, upon believing that message is the entry point, as it were, into the gospel ecosystem, the place that God now provides for us to grow in the gospel. So what I want us to do is just think about that gospel and then begin to tease that out with what Paul talks about here, just in these two verses here uh, about the gospel, because you'll see straight away that Esther already mentioned it once or twice and Paul's got it here again as well. Have a look in verse 16 and let's ask this question. Why does Paul say in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel? We just heard the gospel in a nutshell, in its simplest, purest form. Why does Paul say there, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? The answer to that question is actually above that statement and below that statement. Paul says in verse 15 prior to that, the last thing that uh, Esther was saying there in verse 15, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome. What's Paul saying? I'm excited and full of energy to proclaim the gospel to you. I come with confidence and with zeal to preach the gospel to you, Paul says. I'm eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you in Rome. Well, you might say to Paul, how so, Paul? Why are you so confident and eager to preach the gospel? Where's this eagerness here and this this confidence to preach the gospel? Paul could say, many may be ashamed or many may be embarrassed about this message, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, many may be embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of it, says Paul. I'm not ashamed of it. Many may think this is silly, this is foolish, this is crazy, who would believe this? Who would really think this is the truth? Who would really think this is the the message that's got no style, it's got no intelligence, it's got no pizzazz, it just seems so plain. A conquering king who dies a criminal's death on a Roman cross, that's your saviour, Paul says. I'm not embarrassed about that, Paul says. I'm not ashamed of that message. This is the entry point here to a glorious relationship with God. Or you might say this then, well, Paul, where is your confidence and eagerness in this message? Why are you not ashamed of it? Well, then we see the next answer there. For... It is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God for salvation. Paul knows that this is God's power at work in salvation through this message, regardless of how other people may think of it at that time. Paul has experienced God's power at work in his own life through salvation. If you follow Paul's journey on the road to Damascus, uh, Paul's going down there and he's going down there to kill Christians. Jesus comes in great power and reveals himself to Paul and Paul was never the same person again. What did Paul experience? Paul experienced the power of God through salvation. Paul experienced a revelation of Jesus Christ and he was never the same again. Now this is a really important point to understand about the gospel and our entry into the gospel ecosystem here as Paul talks about it. The decisive work or the decisive force in our salvation is God. Is God. 
It is God's power working in us, breaking through all our unbelief and blindness to make himself known to us. It's God's power working through all of our unbelief and all of our blindness to make himself known to us. Paul the Apostle is walking down Damascus Road, if you're familiar with his story from Acts, uh, intent on killing Christians and doing all he can to snuff out Jesus. That's Paul's entire intent and entire desire at that time. He just wants to snuff out Christ. What happens? Jesus in mighty power reveals himself to Paul. Paul for the very first time sees Jesus in truth and power and grace and in love. It's a revelation that he would never have experienced had Christ not come to him. Prior to that point, Paul could, uh, did all he could to squash the followers of Jesus, but not now after he's met Jesus. A work of power has taken place in Paul's life. Paul now understands who Jesus is. Paul now understands why he came. Paul now understands why he died. Paul now understands why he rose again. What, what Paul actually saw was this. Sin was Paul's biggest problem. Sin was Paul's biggest problem. Have a look how Paul uh, saw this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a real uh, concise picture again of Paul, how he unpacks the gospel. We've lost that, have we? Okay. Grab your Bibles and open up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it says there, verses 1 through to 8. Uh, and now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. So here's Paul saying straight away, I'll remind you again of the gospel, uh, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and he, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul's writing this letter here to the Corinthians, and he gives this really, as it were, succinct picture here of the gospel. This is the entry point to the gospel ecosystem here, again, as we think about that. It's understanding that sin is our biggest problem in life, and that Jesus came to rescue us from sin. What does Paul say there that he delivers of first importance? Have a look in verse 3. Christ died for our sins, as the Scriptures foretold. This is the entry point to the Gospel ecosystem, is understanding what Jesus came to do. Our sin, which has cut us off from God and earned the penalty of death, is our biggest problem in life. It is our number one problem in life. It's bigger than any relationship problems that we may have. Sin is bigger than any financial problems that we may have. Our sin problem is bigger than any substance or addiction problems that we may have in life. 
sin is bigger than any of our health problems that we may have in life. They're all problems. I'm not saying they're not problems. But our biggest problem is our sin problem where we've cut ourselves off from God because of our uh, disobedience before Him. Sin has distorted everything that we see in this world. Distorted everything. The way culture views sex and gender today is totally broken as a worldview. Totally broken as a worldview. Sin has corrupted that through and through. We live in such a confusing world, which we're going to talk about a bit over the next few weeks, where people don't know who they are anymore. They've lost sight of that. Sin has distorted that vision. Jesus came to deal with sin as our biggest enemy, our biggest problem, so that we could enter into this gospel, gospel ecosystem. We cannot deal with sin in our own strength. We are powerless. Sin has rendered us powerless with that. Powerless to reverse the curse that's been placed upon this world because of sin. We, we can't deal with it in ourselves. We need someone as it were, to set us free from sin's penalty and to break sin's power over our lives. As it were, we're like prisoners sitting on death row who are powerless to do anything about the sentence that is upon them. But that's where Jesus steps in. That's why he came to die for our sins. That's the power that Jesus has achieved for us. Taking our place upon the cross and bearing our sin for us. This is where the gospel is the entry point for the gospel ecosystem. This is where we enter into this place that God has for us to grow in Him. Here's another really powerful element of the gospel. We don't earn or work for this salvation from Jesus. We don't do a number of good things to somehow earn something from Jesus. It's not like we have to be in our best behaviour and that somehow God will notice my good behaviour and now he'll actually, yeah, I'll pick you for salvation. No one's ever going to be good enough for God. No one's ever done enough for God except for Jesus. No other single human being could ever achieve what God wants us to achieve. But here we see what Paul says on how this salvation is received. Look in verse 16, it says this, salvation to everyone who believes not how much work i do or not how, not what i do to earn it or deserve it or become worthy of it it's salvation to everyone who believes salvation is believing god's grace alone sorry receiving god's grace alone through belief or faith alone for everyone who believes paul says believe and receive is what Paul says. That's what God asks of us. Believe who I am. Believe what I've done. Believe what I say. Believe that. Believe that salvation comes through Jesus alone and no one else. Believe. Now, God doesn't make us believe, we make that choice ourselves. Paul says, therefore, everyone who believes. But in God's power, in his salvation power, in the power of the gospel, he reveals himself to us in such a way that we can no longer ignore him or deny him. It's like his grace is beautifully overwhelming to us. It's like I go from not believing to believing because of what God has done. He's the decisive force in our salvation. This is the testimony of billions of people throughout time and history. 
Many of you experience the same thing. You go from one day I just didn't believe and the next day I believed. And you can't explain what took place there. You just know from one day I didn't believe and the next day I believed. In God's own supernatural and miraculous way, he opens your eyes up to see who he is. And you just say, I believe. I believe. I believe who he is. I believe what he's done. God is real. Jesus is my rescuer. He is my sovereign king. Let me just say a little word here about belief as well. This belief isn't a mere acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Not just a mental, yeah, yeah, I know who Jesus is. Some historical figure, you know, maybe back 2,000 years ago. Yeah, he was a good man. He came and did some good things and he was very kind. And, and then you just sort of leave it at that level. It's like an acknowledgement. It's like, yeah, I sort of acknowledge who Jesus is. That's not the sort of belief that Paul's talking about here. That's not the sort of belief Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about a belief that comes with conviction. The sort of conviction that changes your whole life. It's a different type of belief. Perhaps I could illustrate it like this. You go to the doctor and you get back your blood results and he says, oh, you've got really high blood sugar levels. We've done a second test and it's confirmed you've got sugar diabetes. And the doctor says, you'll need to change your diet and remove all the sugar out of your diet, otherwise this could actually kill you down the track if you just keep living the way you are. You, you'll need to change your diet. A mere acknowledgement of diabetes without any change of diet, removing the sugar out of your diet, means you probably really didn't believe the doctor. You acknowledge maybe that diabetes is there, but you didn't really believe what he told you about diabetes. But, Differently, if you hear the news from the doctor and you completely change your diet, you actually begin to remove all the sugar out and be careful about what you're eating to respond to this diabetes as a response to that news that you heard from the doctor, well, that's a very different belief. Everybody around you would say, yeah, no, you, you really believe what the doctor said because you've changed your whole life. You don't eat Mars bars anymore. You give it away the chocolate. I feel sorry for you. But they would see, no, no, this belief is different. It's evidenced by change in your life. That's a true belief. There's something happening there. Well, this is the belief that Paul's talking about right here. Your faith or belief in who Jesus is and what he's done is indicated now by your actions. You're different. You're living different. You want to live different because what you believe is changing the way you live. In fact, with glad obedience now, you want to follow Jesus. This is a real belief. This has actually impacted your life with change. We turn away from sin and we turn towards Jesus. That's the belief that Paul's talking about here. This is why Paul says uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important message you could ever hear in this world. He says there, I delivered to you of first importance. This is what you need to hear. It's not an embarrassing message. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's the most important thing you could ever hear and believe. And let me say something else about the gospel message. Don't get it confused. And what I mean by that is this. The gospel message of salvation in Christ alone isn't a message that promises you health, wealth and prosperity. That's around church circles around the world. The gospel doesn't promise you health, wealth and prosperity. 
The gospel doesn't promise you a pain-free life. The gospel doesn't promise you a problem-free life. That's not the crux of the gospel message. The gospel of Jesus Christ deals faithfully and finally with our biggest problem in the world, in our own life. The gospel crushes our sin problem that has cut us off from God. That is primarily what the gospel deals with. The gospel gives us strength to deal with everything else, as we'll see over the next few weeks. But the message of the gospel deals with our sin. It's by God's marvellous grace that we receive this salvation by truly believing what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. This is the entry to the gospel ecosystem. Now, the gospel doesn't stop there with us, just at the entry, as we're going to see unpacked. The gospel begins this really beautiful work of transformation in our hearts and lives as well. The Holy Spirit takes the truth of the gospel and applies that to our minds to transform us into the image of Jesus. This is what the gospel ecosystem then will be all about. It's this transformation process. It's an environment now, as we spoke about before, it's an environment where the Holy Spirit takes a number of elements, working together to create this bubble of life where we thrive in Christ. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to thrive in Him, and we'll see what that looks like over the next few weeks. It's God's Word and Spirit working together in loving God, working together in being in community, working together in serving others, and working together in mission. This is the, the, the formation here of the gospel ecosystem. The gospel of Jesus Christ, though, is the entry point to this ecosystem. That's where it starts, believing who Jesus is. Have you heard that message of truth? Have you truly heard the gospel? You may have sat here at exchange for weeks, maybe months, even years, maybe longer, and you've listened to the gospel, but you've never truly believed it. Maybe you thought it was silly. Maybe you thought it was embarrassing. You've watched people around you talking about Jesus, and you watch people around you living for Jesus, and yet you continue to live for the world, and you follow the world's ways, and don't follow what Jesus has called us to do. You might think this message sounds crazy. Maybe you're here for the very first time and you've never heard it before at all and this, I'm not sure, you're thinking. You might think this Christian thing seems really small and different because there's maybe about 100 of us here today and there's a bunch of other churches with a few hundred around us and there's probably 95% of Shepparton just going on doing their own thing. So maybe that 95% have got it all right and maybe this 5% are really small and insignificant. Maybe, maybe they've got it wrong and you didn't truly believe it. I'm like Paul today. I'm eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel. I'm eager to preach the gospel. Why? Because I'm convinced that this is God's way of saving people. I can't save a single soul. I could never save a single soul. Who am I? I am simply a vessel proclaiming the gospel, just like Paul proclaimed the gospel to the Romans 2,000 years ago. 
my trust is completely in God who has all the power in the world to just take a dead-hearted sinner and convert them like that. I'm eager to preach the gospel. Nothing smart about me, nothing brilliant about me. It's all about Christ and the work he's done. So what am I asking you today? I'm asking you to believe the gospel. I'm asking you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. I'm saying don't delay any longer. Don't put it off. Truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and find salvation in him alone. Come and find true life. Come and find what you've been created for. Come and find the beautiful gospel ecosystem that God has created for us to live in and to thrive in forever and forever. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Is that you? Is that you? Let's close our eyes and pray. With your eyes closed now, I just want to ask that question. If that's you today, I want you to do something we don't normally do here at Exchange. I want you to raise your hand. If you're saying... Yeah, Todd, that's me. I've been fighting this. I've been resisting this. And it's true. It's true. If that's you today, I'd love you to just raise your hand. And all I'm going to do is catch up with you after the service and say, hey, let's have a chat. So while every heart is uh, open, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if that's you, just feel free to just raise your hand to acknowledge, hey, that's me. I'll see it and I'll come and catch up with you and talk with you later on. Father, we come before you today and just thank you for the glorious message of the gospel. Lord, we are not ashamed of the gospel. It may sound foolish, it may sound silly, it may sound crazy in the ears and minds of other people, but we know it is the most glorious message that we could ever hear in this world. Father, we think of today that your love was not a mere token. Your love was an action. You sent your one and only Son who lived a sinless life, then offered that life up on the cross as payment for our sin. God, today we thank you so much. We thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life on the cross so that we could be forgiven, washed, cleansed and made whole of every sin that we've ever committed, past, present and future. And that, Lord, through the gospel, through that simple message of the gospel, that radical change, that supernatural change you do in our heart to see us born again. We pray, God, please, affect that change today, Lord, and those who are yet to make that decision. I can't do it. We can't do it. 
We know you do do it, Lord. Make that change, we pray, God. Bring them into a whole new life, a whole new love, a whole new community. Bring them into this gospel ecosystem where we will thrive and grow in Christ no matter what we face in this world. Father, today we thank you for this opportunity to be together. And we ask and pray it now in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.